Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Charmed Life Podcast. I am your host, Trisha Carr, and this is a special episode. I'm actually uh, kind of piggybacking onto an episode of a brand new podcast that I have with my best friend, Crystalline Compton. Crystalline Compton is an intuitive channel and spiritual teacher. If you've been listening to this podcast or you know me in any other way, you probably already know that and you know Crystal and you love her. And so we have our own podcast and YouTube channel. So Crystal is also a YouTuber. She has hundreds of amazing spiritual videos. So if you are just meeting Crystal, you definitely want to, well, first you want to subscribe to both our podcast feed and our YouTube channel. And you want to go and subscribe and check out Crystal too, because if you have a question, she may have answered it. And we work together a lot. We have the intuitive intensive coming up. All of that we're going to talk about in this episode. So here is an episode of the Light Shine podcast. And for more episodes, be sure to go and find the uh, YouTube or the podcast. We are on any podcast, any way that you get your podcast. And I hope you enjoy this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Light Shine Podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Trisha Carr, and I am here with the beautiful Crystal Ann Compton. How are you doing today, beautiful Crystal Ann Compton? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm tired. Christmas was a lot. This has been a lot. Um, yeah. But I'm happy to be here. I'm mm. happy to discuss spiritual things with you. It's like one of my favorite things to do, and we get to share it with everybody here. So I'm stoked. Yes, yes, me too. I'm happy to be here as well. Yeah, Christmas can be a lot. Now, I didn't do that much, and I certainly didn't have as much going on as as you did, but, you know, it's it's an interesting time that we're in. Um, mm. So really grateful to be here. So much, um, so much great energy around so many topics. We can't, we, we have so much to talk about all the time. We can't even decide, but today we wanted to talk about soul groups. Mm. I always find it interesting when I'm doing readings and, you know, it, it often is like very interesting to people. And I, what I think might be really cool about the concept of soul groups that kind of gets, really engages us is that it's very spiritual and very human, you know, it's like both. It's like, it has real life implications and manifestation. And yet it's something that we are connected with multidimensionally before we even decided to dispatch as an incarnated entity. So yeah, let's talk about, why don't you share a little bit, Crystal, what soul groups are, what you, you know, in your experience with them, what do you think about this topic? Well, to put it simply, um, soul groups consist of the individual souls and personalities that we incarnate with. And so in this life, I've incarnated intentionally with other souls and other people. For example, I believe, Trisha Carr, you are in my soul group. No doubt. And I definitely think my husband is in my soul group, my parents, my child. So all of these people are in a specific spiritual frequency and space, and we have a lot in common, and we tend to share things like purpose and mission, like we came here to do a certain kind of work together, and we built all of these things into our blueprint, and we've got contracts with one another so that we can get some certain things done. And I do think that there are layers to soul groups, meaning there are some individual personalities in a soul group that you are incredibly close with and with whom you incarnate life after life after life. Like every single life, you're going to run into this person, you're going to strike up a relationship, and you're going to do stuff together. 
But then there are the other folks in the soul group that maybe incarnate with you, maybe every other life or every four lives. And so you might bump into them in a life and there'll be a sense of familiarity and kind of an energetic resemblance, uh, excuse me, remembrance. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you do close things with them or have a really strong connection with them. You may, but you also may not. But you encounter these people kind of intersectionally within your different lives. And so there's all kinds of people and they tend to to organize based around interests, gifts, talents, and also basic love connections, like just soul love connections. And um, yeah, I think that when we're talking about soulmates, for example, your soulmate is somebody who is in your soul group. And by the way, your soulmate is not necessarily just somebody who's a romantic connection or a lover. I consider Trisha to be a soulmate of mine. And I consider my husband to also be a soulmate of mine. And maybe there's degrees associated with that, but soulmates are in your soul group. So what do you think? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I love how you're saying the layers to it too, because I was instantly, as you were talking about, you know, someone with whom you have like an energetic remembrance and you have this, you have this resonance with them, but you're not doing necessarily something significant in your life. I I had two, three people pop up and it's just like, you know, I even remember meeting this person who's like a friend of a friend, but we're friends now, but I remember meeting her and just being like, oh, we got a thing. We got a Mm -hmm. thing going and we don't even, you know, we're not that technically that close in, in so far as like how our lives are interacting. But, you know, there's like, it's like that person that there's a funny picture of my cat or there's a joke or there's something and she's the one I have to share it with. You know what I mean? Like we just pick that up and it's like almost like we attune one another. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is like from across these other parallel lives and timelines and it's like, we got to make contact, you know, we got to do. And of course, I love this person and I feel like this person is family even though Crystal has no idea who I'm talking about and she's my best friend. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's a few people that p- spiked up like that. And then, and then of course, yeah, I mean, your, your parents, you know, these, these biological connections or deep relationship connections, there's just no doubt that these are right. uh, the ones that are really close. I think that mate, that soul mate is, is a good word for it. There's soul groupings. So like my siblings, you know what I mean? Like they're in my soul group clearly, but like you, you and I, I mean, the word like sister is even more appropriate. Mm-hmm. They, they're my biological sisters. I love them. But we have that, it's a mating. It's a, right. it's a connection that it's is- It's a kinship, yeah. It's a, yes, like a, the puzzle piece is really linking in. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, it, it, came, it became popular in the 80s, I think, the soulmate idea. And it, it was always aligned with like, you have one and it is your romantic partner. And right. disagree. <laughs> Totally disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, and interestingly, I think that anybody in your life with whom you've had a connection or have a connection that is changing you and up-leveling you or delivering unto you important lessons is probably in your soul group. And this includes the antagonizers of your life. No kidding. This includes the pain bringers of your life, for example, my father, and I would say, Trisha, your father. These are kind of iconic figures in our life who made things really difficult for us. And there was abuse and all sorts of things. But nonetheless, I believe that my father is actually absolutely one of my soulmates and is absolutely in my soul group. Now, 
What happens is before we incarnate into a life, like the whole soul group, especially those that are going to, you know, be going into a mission every single time, we get together, if you will, and we decide amongst ourselves the roles that we are going to play. And maybe in this life, I'm Trisha's friend. Maybe in the last life, I was Trisha's enemy. Maybe in the life before that, we were married. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> but who knows? But we, we switch up roles based on what the souls seek to learn and how the soul seeks to evolve. And so we have souls in these groups that say, I'll raise my hand. I'll be the antagonist. I'll be the mm -hmm. abuser. I'll be the one who makes it really hard for you mm -hmm. so that you're going to have to overcome some major trauma and some major lessons so you can have a breakthrough that will cause you to be elevated into whatever space you're going to be in according to your purpose. Like those people are also soulmates and in our soul group. Mm -hmm. And that, that takes us to the sort of component of, you know, this, so we, we're talking like from this pre-birth perspective and we have these uh, souls, these entities, and we're making these plans. And these plans are from the space of wanting to use the journey of an incarnation to evolve and expand and to pursue divine virtues and, you know, characters that we, that is con our contribution to the universe. And so we kind of look at the ways that, well, how do we do that? Well, I mean, it seems like a divine virtue that I could be working on, for example, is uh, personal empowerment, you know, that is balanced with compassion. And then this other one says, okay, well, then the counterpart to that would be for me to find humility and balanced with compassion. So maybe I'm going to be codependent and you're going to be narcissistic. You are, I'll be the victim and you'll be the abuser. That's how these, mm -hmm. these poles come together and it's a contracting. And within like in the interesting, like, so your father is like a soulmate and my father is a soulmate. However, I would say I have in my soul group and a contract, my mother's second husband and as an abuser, but I don't feel a soul mating with him. I feel like that was a contract that we had. Mm -hmm. And, and then I feel it's mostly completed, but you know what I mean? Like there's the completion, but it feels like the, that contract has been, it's been, it, it matured. <laughs> it did its thing. And then there's some of the residual with it. And that I think some of those contracts kind of had those layers too. So my old boss, who was a bit, you know, narcissistic and kind of, you know, dominating and everything, that was like a contract. But it was one that was, uh, it was like if need, if need be. It could have been a diff, it could have been a boyfriend that get delivered to me the contract. It was a potential contract. It happened to come into play and it, we worked it out and then released one another from it. But I could have maybe gotten that in another scenario. So it's not predestination, even though it's a contract. If I had maybe worked that out with another boss or another or another partner of some kind, like a boyfriend, then I probably wouldn't have done all of the things to align with getting that job, working for that man who was my boss. You see what I mean? Like, yeah. But so far as like being born by, by your parents, contract, <laughs> soul mm -hmm. mating, like you're just kind of like it's, the biology of it means that there is a contract, even if you're adopted or something like that. There's still some, there's bloodline contracting, there's energy lines that, you know, are undeniable and cannot be changed once you've dispatched into the incarnation in that way. Hey everyone, it's that time of year again. Time for the Intuitive Intensive. The Intuitive Intensive is a 12-week immersive educational and group coaching program designed to blast open your psychic intuitive abilities. There's no going back. 
I can't unsee all the things that I've seen. I can't unfeel all the things that I've felt. It's 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 been life changing, not just because of everything that I've learned, but everything that I've experienced. I am always so afraid of being seen. That's something that makes me want to hide. But this is just making me want to come out. Class begins January 18th, 2021. Registration is open now and all levels of development are welcome. Serious students only. This program is taught by myself, Trisha Carr, and Crystal Ann Compton. Find the link to read more and register in the description below. We hope to see you in class. I remember when my mother passed uh, shortly thereafter, um, I went and visited one of my good friends who is also a medium and she did a reading and she said, okay, well, feels like this contract is complete. Like after many lives, your mother and you have completed this contract. And I had this sense of like, wait a minute, like, am I not going to be connected to her in in Mm. future life? Like I just had like this feeling of panic around it, but that's not at all what it is. And in fact, the way that you know that a contract is complete is you feel nothing but love and gratitude, truly Mm. like if you have an entanglement with someone energetically or if you have a relationship with someone that caused you problems and troubles or there's lingering issues and as you think on it, you get triggered in some way or reactive or kind of go down into what happened and all the things, then that's an indication that the contract is still active. Even if the person has passed, by the way, mm-hmm. it means it's still active and you have a responsibility if the person has passed to do what you can to kind of clear it. And that usually involves forgiveness and allowance and love and light and all of the things. But that's how you know, like, I am definitely still connected to my mother, who is one of my closest soul companions. And I will, if I come back to this earth, I don't know, but if I, if I have other lives and other missions, I know I, she will be involved. She's already involved in death with me in my work. But nonetheless, the contracts, the things that we were going to do, all of the lessons we were going to give to each other, we did the things. And I can feel that because there's a sense of flow and ease and love. I've got no anger or animosity. I'm not holding on to anything. I just feel good about this person. And that's how I know it's been satisfied. So. Mm. Yes, that's. I feel that way, that way about my father too. And as a matter mm-hmm. of fact, I just stumbled upon uh, a YouTube video of mine where I was telling the story about my father's passing, but it was, it was actually, this video was only about a year ago um, because it involved when you and Lauren were visiting me Mm -hmm. because it was about my father's wife passing his second wife and that she held off dying until it was his birthday. And he had been passed for two, three years. I can't remember. Yeah. He'd been, he'd been gone for over, for about two and a half years. So anyway, she, she was like in a coma or something like that for three weeks and then passed on his birthday. Wow. And that's, I mean, like manifestations like that too are indications of some real existential, like soul Mm -hmm. contract stuff. And, and it was really, really beautiful. But as I, as I watched that video and I was just reliving how all of that love, I mean, my father, on paper, it's an unrequited love. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot of abandonment. Most of my life, I I didn't have any connection with him, but it really felt beautiful and complete. And when I, when he passed, I had, I, I walked him to the light. And what we focused on as I walked him to the light was sort of like, it it all worked. It all worked. You know what I mean? Because look, here I am, daddy, here I am. 
And so any, all of the sadness, regret, anger that you have and regret, 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 as you look at me, please look at me. All of it somehow came to this moment this is the scoreboard <laughs> and this right. is where this is the completion of the contract and we won you know we did it and he went into the light by that by the completion really of our contract for him to be able to feel the the love of that and that that was what he just succumbed to to let him to go into his healing really oh it's, i love that and yeah. it probably allowed him to go into healing because there are people who depart who feel like there's unfinished business and if you're leaving behind people who are still upset or wounded or damaged like that can make it a little more difficult to transition kind of with ease to the other side if you will but just by you being able to do that that just touches me that releases him and it's true though it's not like you're just saying it it's true i felt it i feel it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's it's so good therefore to be present to and to the contracts that you have, but also to the people that are in your life to really look around and take an an inventory of everyone in your life that impacts you and understand that they're in your life for a reason. And it might not always be comfortable. It might not always feel good, but you're learning something from them. And if you can acknowledge that and integrate that, it's the sooner you can kind of move through that and resolve those contracts. Now, let me ask you, do you think that you can karmically carry contracts from one life into another life into oh, another life? For sure. I mean, why not? You can carry it from one decade to another. So why not one life to another? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also, it. I mean, it, it can also be like the second act of a contract. You know what I mean? Like I did this piece of it and it might feel really complete, but there is something more. And I think that's a part of the, again, pursuits of divine virtues. I can't, again, I I heard that from someone else and that's how he talks about it. Um, And I like that. So I I think so. And then if we also want to bring in the concept of wanderers, you know, which Ra uh, from the law of one speaks about wanderers. So essentially you've done a lot of this stuff and you are coming from an uh, ascension point that doesn't really need to do the things in or for the for the ascension process of your own soul however you do in a sense because the reason we would come back is because we leave no man behind no man or woman we don't we don't leave behind our brothers and sisters and we need to assist them so it's maybe it's a place of service but we are still developing a new layer of that divine virtue or new layer of that contracting and I think this can be a place that really requires ourselves to parent ourselves, to be, to be our own divine parent. Because if we are looking at it from the perspective of uh, the human, of the 3D, then it feels unfair for a child to go into a family who is basically there to help and serve their parents. You know what I mean? Like you kind of like you're, you have, and we also have to not be arrogant about it. You know, we have to find that right space of humility and, and acceptance that if that's the case, if perhaps it's, and again, it's not an arrogant thing, if perhaps I am have dispatched in as that wanderer, as the one who is holding an ascension energy, and I'm really doing this to help heal my parents, and then of course I'm going to live a life and have another mission and all of that. It's just a different, it's a different, maybe it's like the executive program of that contract. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. okay. It's still just a part of a process. Mm-hmm. Something to find though, isn't it? That that balance. Absolutely. And I think there's something really heartening about there being 
no randomness or, mm-hmm. or nothing out of order. I mean, there is spontaneity, you know, and there is randomness to some degree, but truly there's a purpose to all of the things, to all of the people and to the geography and to the conditions and to the body and like everything makes sense on this higher level. And we can truly trust that and enjoy that. And if it's difficult, kind of sink into your own alignment with the divine and try to look at that challenging thing with those divine eyes to see what the lesson is. What is this person here to teach me? And may I integrate this and may I learn from this so that you can move through it all the more quickly and release those contracts. Yes. And I'll I'll add to it because this is something that comes up every now and again, fairly frequently. Yes, your animals are part of your soul family. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, the ones who are, you know, in your family as the the domestics who live with you and you have your family bonding. But then there's also some of those layered ones where like Crystal's old property, she had the grandfather tree and mm-hmm. that was, a, that's definitely a soul contract. Now, I guess maybe it completed because you moved away and trees, mm-hmm. but you know, he, he or she, whatever kind of pronoun you want to give that energy, maybe in your in your emissary group and some other way that you experience. And I'll bet you could right now tap in and mm-hmm. ha- and have a conversation and an mm-hmm. energy attunement from that grandfather tree on your old property. Absolutely. Bring it up and I can feel it. I still mm-hmm. have a cord connected to it. And well, let me ask you with regard to our pets and uh, our domestics, like Mr. Koa, he is in my soul group. Do you think that he incarnates as a person? And then as a dog, or do you think pets stay pets and people stay people? Well, you know, it's interesting because now we're kind of trying to get into semantic, a mm-hmm. semantical look at energy. And it's actually, it, it, it's hard to, I, I mean, I would never say de- determine or define it so strictly. So what I can say is I think it's really nuanced. I think energy, there are these streams of energy. So sometimes when someone is a reincarnation of someone else, you might feel a, a big like portion of that person's energy, but the new soul kind of aspect to it is is present. So it's a different personality, different contracts, different divine virtues. So there is a blending. There's always a kind of blending because there's always going to be a fresh soul energy for something new. And then I've also s- sort of seen more, I mean, I see more than one energy dispatching in. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a vortex of energy collecting all of the experience from other incarnations, other journeys, other missions. And so I see that and it can get a little bit convoluted, which is why I think Dolores Cannon probably mm-hmm. named her books <laughs> Convoluted Universe. Right. So that's right. a convoluted answer. Mm-hmm. The simpler answer is like, for example, with my animal communication sessions and I communicate with that particular animal about past lives or something, it's it's kind of all over the place. Often though, I'll say often the life that they bring forward, and it's just one of the, you know, snapshots, one of the tableaus they bring forward, often it has to do with the a similarity of some kind with who they are now. Mm-hmm. So a cat may be showing me another cat life or a dog may be showing me a wolf life, but it could also be a partner life. So a similarity is that you are partners with your human. And so they could, they would show me maybe a cat showing me a life where they were horse and human or where they were brother and sister. So I, I can only go by my experience and, mm-hmm. you know, the convolution of, of it being like what i I'm analyzing or exposing in the philosophy of metaphysics, mm-hmm. my experience is that I do pick up 
most of the time there is a similarity. Often it has to do with a species kind of similarity, but mm-hmm. sometimes it is other similarities, which may take them into different, into human incarnations or, you know, other kinds of species. So that's my answer. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. My um, experience has been that they, and I've spoken about this, that, that animals are an extension actually yes. of our, I am, of our oversoul, of the higher self. So the mm-hmm. higher self that is Crystal Ann Compton, which by the way is not named Crystal Ann Compton. That's just <laughs> this iteration in life. My higher self is made up of many different energies. I mean, mm-hmm. that we cannot even describe. And some of that energy becomes outpictured in terms of an incarnation in the form of animals and familiars and uh, these beings that accompany me and teach me and show show me myself by being themselves. And in my experience, they kind of come into the soul group and typically remain animals. I mm-hmm. mean, throughout every single incarnation, they're always some kind of an animal that makes themselves present. I've, I've never, I've never had an experience of an animal becoming a human in a reincarnation scenario and or regressing to an animal, but that doesn't mean it's not possible. Exactly. And so that's what I'm saying. It it is typically an animal Mm -hmm. and actually, like I say, typically somehow related to what they are now, but I have, I have had scenes. I have had lives Mm. where there was a husband and wife or a brother and sister kind of situation. Um, So that's all I can say is I don't know why that would be coming through in the field. Um, and, but it, it does seem to, now I've also, I have a, a story that I've told many times about a tortoise that I connected with who showed a life of being a stone, of being a great stone and that the human that he was, you know, connected with now was a human then. And so I, I don't know, I, I, mm-hmm. I, it's hard to say, but yeah, my, just my experience in the streets is that, yeah, it typically <laughs> is animals being animals, um, but not always. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, and there aren't I don't no know what limits. it means. Yeah. <laughs> it just is. It is what it is. <laughs> but yeah, we have, um, we have these beautiful souls and these, uh, different personalities that accompany us. And it's, it's really good to realize that we're never alone. And also mm-hmm. we can bump into these people, especially those ones that are on those outer tiers in our soul group that kind of maybe incarnate every 10 lives with us or something. We might bump into them in a coffee shop and it may be a really mundane experience, but you feel something. Yeah. There's just some kind of like, oh, you, I seem like I know you are. Have I met you before? Like there's something deeper there. That's typically an indication that that person has probably shared a life with you at some point in the past. So really fun subject and lots to talk about. It is. It is so fun. I'm glad we talked about the animals. I have one of my soulmates right here in my lap and actually have Concon in my lap. <laughs> and Concon is one of the ones where I think that there it was a potential, but I, I think he's been, we're definitely soulmates and you know he's in my soul group, And but he may have been one that was going to stay on the outskirts. Brian knew him for like five years before he came to our family. And then there was like a, oh, we're going to activate this contract this this time instead. So, uh-huh. you know, it's one of those, but I, I know that we've been together before and we'll we'll be together again. And Definitely. yeah, that feeling of a, because they come from the same oversoul, 
Mm-hmm. That's why, I mean, they are like our own body. They're just extensions of us. Anyway, yep. so the babies, I love the babies. This I is really fun. I love the babies fun. too. I love the babies too. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for this version of our podcast. We enjoy talking to you about soul groups. Oh my gosh, there's Kong Khan if you're watching on YouTube. Would you look at him? He looks like an alien. I love him. He's interdimensional. <laughs> Please like, share, subscribe, do all the things, stay connected. Um, We love having you here. And until next time, never forget, we have got nothing but love for you. Bye, guys. Bye.